0: Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host Ryan McDowell, I'm joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, I went on vacation. You went on vacation. We took a little break from the Blueprint. That's what we do in July, though. We're back. Training camps are almost back. How are you doing, man?
1: I am fantastic. I got like two weeks, and then I go on a family vacation again, and then I move into Latrobe with the Steelers, and it's you know full full blast go and um, good stuff. Good stuff for sure. Um, Scott Fish Bowl time, I know we're gonna talk about that, but before we do, I would like to introduce our listeners to a new sponsor of the show, our friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. It's been ten years since the FFPC filled their first dynasty league, and they've grown to be the world's largest dynasty league commissioner with leagues starting at seventy seven dollars that go as high as five grand to enter. FFPC leagues are active and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. I find that kind of amazing. It's awesome. Brand new startup dynasty leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and up in standard Superflex and best ball formats. FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball drafts starting at $35 all the way up to $12.50 entry fee. Both slow and live leagues are filling and launching daily. So check out the FFPC experience, Dynasty Blueprint listeners, you'll love it. Go to to myffpc.com, that's myffpc.com the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football.
0: Good stuff. Thank you, Matt. Matt, today we're going to answer some listener questions, and we've got some help to do that. Uh, we've got my buddy from DLF, Tom Burrows. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, Tom's Tom's a first-time guest. We're, we're glad to have him at DLF. We're in a, a Slack channel together and. and talk Dynasty as much as we can. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, we've got to start with the SFB. Matt, you mentioned it already, the Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, bigger than ever this year, 1,200 teams. And Matt, I know you took a, a couple year break from the SFB, but you're back in it. So we'll start with you. Uh, what does your team look like so far?
1: Um, I had the sixth pick overall, and I'm quite happy with my team, actually. I ended up taking David Johnson, I I was going to take either Kelsey or Johnson. The first four running backs, of course, went. Kelsey went right before I picked. So I was fine just, you know, resorting back to Johnson there. That's fine. Um, At 2-7, I took Dalvin Cook. And then Carson Wentz at 3-6. Aaron Jones, everyone knows he's one of my faves, at 4-7. So at this point, I have three running backs and one quarterback. OJ Howard at 5-6. And then I came back and took Jameis Winston at 6'7". Have you noticed? I have not taken a receiver yet. And my most recent pick was Allen Robinson at 7'06". So, pretty happy with it. I mean, two quarterbacks I think will be highly productive. Uh, A high upside tight end. A nice stable of every down running backs. And Allen Robinson.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a Williamson team. A few of (laughs) your favorites there. (laughs) Uh, one of the great things about this format is that you can go in so many directions Uh, for, for those listeners who don't know uh, the Scott fishbowl is a redraft league uh, with a lot of unique scoring settings. Uh, It's super flex. It's very tight end premium. um, Some points per first down scoring some yardage bonuses that are going to result in, in huge scoring weeks. I think someone was talking about a Julio Jones game from 2017 that would have been a 75-pointer wow. in this scoring format. So I didn't get Julio. Tom, did you get Julio?
2: I did not get Julio. Um, Matt, I think that's a great – I think getting Jones in the fourth is potentially a steal, and, I mean, he could really outperform that ADP in this format, uh, especially with, if they get him more involved in the passing game. But uh, So I was drafting out of the second spot, and I started with Zeke, and then came back around, and Juju fell for me at the end of the second. So then I grabbed uh, Rodgers, and then Derek Henry, Brandon Cooks, and then most recently, just this morning, I picked up Sony Michelle and uh, Mitchell Trubisky.
0: Hmm. Wow! Even even with Sony, I still love that. I still love that team. <laughs> no, Tom and I were talking before we started about about that Sony pick. But yeah, I mean, to get Rodgers in the third round in this format. That one stands uh, out. Sounds like Cooks fell uh, quite a ways as well. That's that's great. I'm, uh, we're a little further along in our uh, league than you guys. Uh, I was in the ninth spot and really struggled with that pick. Uh, honestly, I feel like after that top eight, there was a, a little bit of a, a teardrop or a gap there. Uh, I ended up taking George Kittle. I talked about that tight end premium already. Got <clears throat> Devonte Adams in the second round. He was actually one of the guys I was considering in the first, so was glad to see him fall. Uh, Amari Cooper in the third. Kerryon Johnson grabbed a couple of older quarterbacks in the fifth and sixth. Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the seventh round was kind of a fun one. I was deciding between Philip Lindsey as my RB2 or Calvin Ridley as my wide receiver three. Uh, ultimately decided on Lindsey, looking at uh, the gap between him and some of the other running backs, and then Ridley ended up falling to the eighth round anyway. So I, I got both of them, and I'm actually on the clock now. We're gonna we're gonna see if this show impacts my pick. Uh, I'll grab somebody once we're done here. Making everybody wait. Why don't you pick now? No, no, no. I <laughs> okay. I need some time. I need to stew on this one a little bit. <laughs> We are going to answer some listener questions, uh, some Dynasty. We'll, we'll shift over to Dynasty now. And we've got a couple good ones from our buddy Murray. He says, I've got Watson and Rogers in a super flex, but no other quarterbacks. Do I need to get another quarterback before the season or just punt if one of those guys goes down? Uh, well, that's certainly a good problem to have. He's got two of the top five Dynasty quarterbacks right now. So not not a major need, but I was looking at our recent Superflex ADP over at DLF and uh, just really scrolled to the bottom of the list to look at some cheap options, and there's a lot of guys I like down there. Mason Rudolph is QB46 in that ADP. Nick Mullins, QB43. Jacoby Brissett, QB39. And even Daniel Jones, QB32. So... Uh, some of those guys may be on the waiver wire, depending on what your superflex league looks like. I'm sure Jones is not, but I would expect him to be uh, fairly easy to acquire if you're looking for a third quarterback. Tom, do you do you have any any advice for Murray in this situation? Are, are you going out to really target a, a third quarterback, or are you just kind of waiting it out?
2: I'm certainly looking to see what other teams have and what types of players I could be targeting. Um, I think it probably is going to be difficult to pick somebody up who we know is going to be a starter, who's going to be a good value right now. So there may be some merit in at least waiting for the first few weeks. And if there is a team that's not in contention, starts off poorly, but has somebody like Brady, Breeze, Rivers, somebody who aging and we're at Roethlisberger even, that may be a good team to kind of reach out to and see if you could pick somebody up. Um, And I think another just really cheap target just to cover bases. and, And normally I don't really think of QB and superflex this way, but seeing if you could pick up Kaiser and just having the backup to Rogers just as a fail safe. If he goes down and you have something there that you can use for that position, it's better usually than what you're going to be replacing him with from a receiver or running back at
1: that point. I think that's good advice, Tom. I was thinking about that, too. I mean, Watson doesn't really have a handcuff that's worth it. But I had some, you know, promise for Kaiser way back when. I wouldn't mind picking him up on the cheap if I was in this situation. But I don't know about you guys. I'd be a little nervous with just two, though. I mean, I'd love to get a the 30th guy, even if it's like Ryan Fitzpatrick or somebody like that, just to have a third for bye weeks and injuries. And I'd I'd, I'd be pursuing somebody else.
0: Well, worst case, I mean, even, yeah, you're talking about the 30th guys. I mean, Joe Flacco and Eli Manning. Those are the two, uh, right. you know, the, the two butts of the jokes right now. And everybody hates these guys. Nobody wants them. They're not going to succeed. Whatever you want to say about them. But they're both starters right now, and they're both very cheap, even in the super flex format. So uh, I like uh, I like the idea of grabbing someone like that, uh, and also Tom's advice of, of just backing up your two starters, just in case. Uh, Murray's got another question that I think is is interesting and uh, one we haven't discussed on here at all before I wanted to touch on. How much should you spend on fantasy resources or information relative to potential winnings? Uh, He says in his example, he only plays in uh, a couple of low stakes leagues uh, where he says he can't justify uh, pay membership. So I, I certainly understand that. Uh, there's, there's a ton of resources out there, uh, if you want to pay for them, uh, whether it is football dynasty guys, information, yeah, right, or, 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 right, right. There's sites that kind of cover it all. Football guys, four for four, uh, there's data heavy sites, uh, pro football focus, Rotovis, uh, fantasy data, FF statistics. There's, I mean, there, there's an endless amount, uh, and, and we've seen a couple of, of new ones even pop up recently, And then if if you want to sprinkle in some DFS, then the list really grows. So, Matt, what do you think about that? Spending on fantasy information relative to how much money you might make from fantasy leagues.
1: Well, I think the answer is the Dynasty Blueprint is free, so why spend a cent anywhere else? This is the the wealth of knowledge you'll ever need in the history of the world, right? Uh, I I, (laughs) I like to think that way, uh, but...
0: uh, you do make a good point that most podcasts are free um and, and there's great and, ones out there and easy to consume right so that's that would certainly be an option that Murray mentions that he doesn't he doesn't spend any money he you know he just relies on on free information, whether it's podcast or um websites that are free or or whatever you know whatever you want to look at. And there are really great options. I, I guess for me, I've never thought of it in terms of how much money can I make or, or what is my ROI. To me, this began as a hobby, and that's that's kind of how I think of it. And, and, you know, we spend money on our hobbies, whether it's mm-hmm. golfing or, you know, playing poker or whatever it might be. We spend money on our hobbies, and uh, most times we don't think about making money back on that.
1: So but I, at the end of the year, if you're a golfer, you don't have, ever end up with more than you started with.
0: <laughs> not, not, <laughs> yeah, not unless you're a really good one. Right. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on this?
2: My gut reaction is just whatever you're comfortable with and kind of looking at finances and kind of what, if you're just kind of in a couple of low stakes leagues, maybe there isn't much necessity. But I also, just from another angle, I think that, you know, there are some fantastic people in this community and analysts and putting a lot of work and effort into the content they're putting out via sites or podcasts. And so even just engaging in that community and getting membership to support the people who you do trust as a source can be a kind of a a reasonable way or reason to, to get a subscription somewhere that you think has good content and you know, as a, as a company man, I'll say, uh, dynasty league football is a pretty good resource.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that one. (laughs) All right, let's, let's move on. Good topic there for sure. Um, a question from my buddy, my DLF podcast co-host, Matt Price. Uh, Matt says, what cheap veterans are you targeting in trades before we get to the preseason and their prices begin to rise? We see that Every year uh, during the off season, we see the price drop on these veterans. Almost nobody wants them. Uh, their ADP dips. And then when it's August, September, and certainly when the regular season starts, we see their value start to creep back up. I think that's a trend that was really easy to take advantage of three years ago or five years ago. And I don't think it's. Uh, it's not as easy to execute now as it used to be. Whether people are coming around on that, or we're just kind of being more level-headed about um, about not letting those uh, the the value drop on those players, or, or whatever it might be the case. Uh, but but who are some players who might have dipped in value, and you want to get them before it's too late? Uh, Tom?
2: Well, a few names that come to mind, and I'm not sure if he's he's dipped in value. He may have even gained value. I'd have to take a look. Uh, but one name that comes to mind is um, Deshaun Jackson. I just think his situation stepping into that role uh, on the Eagles and what he could do with Carson Wentz this year and um, really how many other weapons are there to keep defenses honest. And then he's going over the top. I mean, Looking at some of the next-gen stats uh, from his time last year in Tampa Bay, he is still one of the fastest players in the NFL on the field. Uh, and he still is one of the top players in getting target separation. So I think he is still capable of doing what we've always known he can do. Uh, and given his age, given the price tag, I think he can really uh, be, be of value. Uh, other names that you know we kind of hear... Every year, Edelman, Fitzgerald. I mean, if those guys are on teams that aren't really contending this year, they can be had for relatively cheap, cheap prices. And then one more that I that I I really like and haven't heard too much about um, is Arden Jones. I think he's still overall pretty young. Um, you know, I think he's going to be 29. So in dynasty, maybe not young, but compared to some of these other names, um, and. I think his target potential, he could surpass 100 targets this year. Him and Galladay really are the primary weapons there. Amendola will have a role, but I don't think too much. And otherwise, I think even if they have a more run-heavy offense, the targets will be very focused on those two receivers. And he's still shown when when he's healthy, he can still get open, he can still score touchdowns.
1: The, the guys that came to mind for me, Ryan, were some of these tight ends that nobody wants anymore. You know, Eifert. Reed, Delaney Walker, like they're all good at football still, but you can get them super cheap and tight ends last forever.
0: Yeah. And, and of course you could throw Greg Olson into that yeah. group as well. All four of those guys have had uh, injury issues uh, as, and and I think all four of them did last year with uh, Eifert Walker and Olson certainly having serious uh, injuries last season that has caused their price to dip. Um, but you're right. Those, those are four guys that if they're on the field, we can expect them to produce. I I guess I would say the only going back to Matt's question, talking about which players do we expect to gain value? I'm not sure those four tight ends, even if they perform are going to gain much value. You know, it's just kind of the, the stigma against them at this point, but that doesn't mean they can't help your dynasty teams. And, and I certainly agree that they are cheap. Um, some guys that I wrote down that I expect to to gain value once the season starts. James James White, you know, we saw him really move up the boards and, and, and gain some value last year when he was an RB one for most of the season. And, and now they add Harris, who who of course we love, and Sony Michelle is is obviously still there and, and slated to be the starter if healthy. Uh, and we're just kind of forgetting about James White, it seems. So he's he's dipped in value. His teammate Josh Gordon. Is super cheap right now. Uh, we we all know the story there, but uh, again, kind of like these, uh, some of these injury risk. If he's on the field, he's going to produce, and uh, and we know Tom Brady could use another target in that offense. And then another guy who's um, already starting to creep up in value. His price is uh, is growing. And Matt, you'll know about this one, Dante Moncrief. Yeah, uh, the hype is really starting to build there. We're we're seeing comments about him. Uh, already being locked in as the number two receiver. Um, is that just coach speak or is that what you're seeing through, uh, through minicamp a few weeks ago?
1: I think right now, and I think he's been impressive in person. Ben went out of his way once or twice to bring his name up unprovoked to the media, which, you know, could mean nothing, but it's something. I mean, um, I know that they are happy with Washington, but I mean, you got to think, I mean, they're going to play three receiver sets, of the time. And I really think you're going to see Washington and Moncrief on the outside and Juju in the slot. And that's a big, pretty impressive group. I mean, there's no Antonio Brown there, but they're physical, they all have size, and, you know, it's a bigger... Uh, bigger offense overall so I I think Moncrief's gonna fit in quite well and and honestly I thought his best year as a pro was last year in Jacksonville but the offense was so injured and the quarterbacks were so bad it didn't reflect and he's only he just just turned 25 like this week or last week or something too so the best may be ahead of him
0: yeah I agree Uh, I heard it recently uh, pointed out on another podcast and uh, I apologize I can't remember who said it or, or what the show was but you look at you look at Moncrief, and he played last year with Blake Bortles. He played the year before that with Jacoby Brissett uh, for most of the year when uh, when luck was out. And, and when luck was there and healthy, all Moncrief did was catch touchdowns. So I, I'm not ready to give up on him by any means, and, and his value is climbing.
1: I want to tell people about reality sports online here in a minute, but you're right. I, I, I wish I had the stats handy, but he's played about 50% of his career snaps with luck. And he's played about 50% of his career snaps with garbage quarterbacks. I mean, really bad quarterbacks, like last year. And his numbers with Luck are phenomenal. I mean, they basically project to like an 1100-yard season, 10 touchdowns, is basically what he's done with good quarterback play. So... I, I'm quietly optimistic about.
2: And his also his average depth of target is like 15 yards. He usually is one of the top ones given the amount of targets he's getting. He was still top in in his A last year in Jacksonville, and his total air yards was like 35th or 36th across all receivers in the league, even though he was playing with Bortles. And so he was still getting downfield. He's still being targeted down there, and that's only going to get better with Roethlisberger and with Juju commanding a lot underneath. I think he can have a lot better opportunity and and easier opportunities.
1: Yeah, that's well said. Uh, I mentioned to our, our friends over at Reality Sports Online, it's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you actually tried it yet? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the Dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and way more. It sounds complicated, but it really isn't. The best thing about reality sports online, fantasy front office, is it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. So if you think you're amongst the fantasy elite, which you might be if you're listening to us, well, this is a platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager's skills for free in a mock draft free agency auction. So if you like what you see, use our promo code BLUEPRINT, that's all lowercase, and you ten receive 10%, a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com.
0: Guys, the next question comes from our buddy, Tubaca. He says, uh, Marcus Mariota, Matt Stafford, are they being undervalued in Superflex or are they who we think they are? Um, So let's take these one at a time because I think they're certainly different cases. Uh, Starting with Mariota, Matt, what are your thoughts on him at this point?
1: I talk about this on my Locked on NFL podcast a lot that I feel like I've been a Mariota supporter since day one and I feel like that limb that I've been on is getting weaker and weaker. And I often equate him to Sam Bradford early in his career in that you can make a lot of excuses for him. Boy, he's had a lot of different schemes. He's been injured a lot. Uh, doesn't have great receivers around him. But then you can make the argument of, dude, he's not the only one that has a tough at the quarterback position. Suck it up and be the man and take your team on your shoulders. And he hasn't done that. So... I'm still a believer. I mean, if he was a stock, which basically you know is dynasty, I'm buying right now. But the limb that I'm out on is a little weaker than I wish it was.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, I mean, some of those excuses that you mentioned are um, are, are realistic, mm-hmm. and and you know they're they're they were there. Uh, Walker was um, out most of last season. He's looks like he's going to be back and healthy. Uh, Derrick Henry really got going at the end of the season, but but not until then. They had Corey Davis, but really nothing after that. Now they've added A.J. Brown. So um, I think we would, we would all certainly agree that 2019 is, is put up or shut up for, for Mariota,
1: right? Yes, and his contract expires too. So, I mean, it's financial. It's the whole state of the team. And I assume you agree that, I mean, this is probably the best supporting cast he's had.
0: Well, that's that's not really saying much, no, but oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I do. Um, Tom, what do you think about uh, Mariota and that that Titans offense?
2: Man, I think uh, I think it's a pretty precarious situation for his value. You know, I'm I'm looking. I think he's you know 92 overall and like super flex startup. Um, and I mean, it's just one more injury or one more misstep this year. He doesn't get re-signed. They move on. And I'm not sure if he's going to get another opportunity to be a starter somewhere, and then his value is going to completely tank. Um, and but but on the flip side, I'm not sure really what you're going to be able to get for him now. Uh, so it might be just for the upside of what he can be if he's able to get um, if he's able to get that extended contract and be there for another three to five years, and things do start to kind of come together and he can be serviceable. I don't know. I, I think I would hold but I'm going in knowing that this could really, I could really lose out.
0: I mean, this is a guy who's been ranked in the top five dynasty quarterbacks at one point in his career. It was, hmm. I mean, it was this time last offseason. We, we thought he still had that type of upside. Uh, and now, uh, Tom, as you mentioned, looking at our super flex ADPs, quarterback 27. Um, I mean, his, the, the bottom has really already fallen out. Uh, and and it can't get much worse. So yeah, he has to be uh, at the very least a hold in the superflex format, or uh, potentially even a buy. Just you know, just just in case, just to see what happens. As I said earlier, I think Stafford is a completely different situation. We've seen him perform at a very high level for years and years now, and then 2018 was, I think, his worst worst fantasy season um, outside of years he's dealt with injuries of his career and to me that that comes down to um, changes in the coaching staff and then also they obviously uh, get rid of Golden Tate in the middle of the season and and the, the whole thing kind of fell apart the real question is does he bounce back or is this going to be just that run heavy team that that we you know we we're all assuming it's going to be Tom what do you think
2: I'm definitely much more optimistic on Stafford. You know, I think that he's still, gosh, how old? He's 31. You know, I think he's got a lot of time left uh, in, in his career. And one of the news reports that recently came out that I've heard a few analysts talk about is that he was playing through a, a fracture in his back or some sort of injury. Yeah. And, and if you actually look at the splits for what he was on pace for before that and then when things fell apart after that, which also coincided with when they traded Tate, it really just shaped up to just be a disaster of a stretch. And so hopefully with getting more familiar with the new coaching staff and the new offense, I think even with a more run-heavy team, uh, there can still be value. I don't think he needs to be how he used to be where you're just expecting you know 4,500 yards year over year. I think he can still have value in this format without the expectation he's going to be a top 12, top 15 guy. But his But his upside
1: we've seen can, can easily be that. The problem, though, and you kind of touched on it, Ryan, is their head coaches are Belichick disciples, defensive dudes, win with size and physicality and run the ball. See, I think Stafford's a really good quarterback and is maybe the 10th best quarterback in the league and is remarkably tough. And if he was in a gunslinger situation, I think he could put up huge numbers. I just don't think they'll ever let him do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have let him do it. I don't know if this coaching staff is going to let him do it. Right. And that's, um, you know, that's kind of the, the frustrating thing. But, uh, again, his, his value at this point, quarterback 23 in our super flex ADP, uh, he is um, at that value, uh, just like Mariota. I think he's, he's a hold or even potentially a
1: buy. I could see him playing like six, seven more years, though, you know, the way that these quarterbacks laugh. Oh yeah. And that yeah.
2: defense may not be good enough to let them run it as much as they want to.
1: Good point. Yeah. Good point. That's true as well. All right,
0: guys, next question comes from Brayden. He says, uh, you guys said on the DLF podcast that Juju is a buy even at his ninth overall ADP. Uh, I said that definitely. And, uh, he says, what kind of offers would you make? Uh, is Thielen and a twenty twenty first enough, or do I need more? Um, so, Before we talk about specific offers, I guess let's go back just to the idea. Juju Smith-Schuster has moved up to nine overall in our ADP. Do you still consider him a buy at that price, Tom? Um,
2: So I think he is probably going to hover around that value with the ongoing uncertainty about when Big Ben is going to retire and what the transition plan is going to be for a QB. I think you see the guys who move up more than that typically have consistency and a plan at the quarterback position uh, going into the future. And so I, I think unless he just goes nuts this year, which he very well may, he, he may finish as the number one wide receiver this year, uh, I think that he's probably going to hold in that range. So, I mean, long term, I think he can hold up in that, you know, with other quarterbacks. So in that sense, yes, he is a buy, but I wouldn't be expecting his value to go up over the next season, maybe two seasons.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair point, though. Michael Thomas mm. as a top five receiver. Um, maybe even Devontae Adams uh, are starting to have those same concerns about uh, who who's the next quarterback. Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, of course, you've got the connections there in Pittsburgh. Uh, it, it seems like expectations are sky high for Juju, really across the league, not just Uh, you know, not just in the fantasy football world.
1: Yeah, and I know you adore him, and you've been more right about him than me. I mean, there is a legit argument that he should be at the very top of Dynasty rankings. He just legally became drinking age. I mean, he could play for 10 more years, too, at a high level. He's tough. He looks better than ever physically seeing him in person. I mean, he's a little bit thicker, moving really well. But I don't know that we know that he can be Batman yet. I mean, so that scares me a little. I don't think he's a superb physical specimen, but in today's NFL, neither was is Keenan Allen, neither is Michael Thomas. I'm not sure that matters. So I, I think he's worth the hype, but I might want the Thielen in the 2021st, because that 2021st looks pretty appealing to me.
0: Oh, really? Uh, to you me, not do would, that? I would... Easily pay Thieland in a a twenty twenty first. A a friend of mine in in one of our leagues, Matt, recently acquired Juju, and and there were some more pieces, but essentially it was uh, Juju for three and I I rubber-stamped that deal as well. Give me the sure thing, Hmm. uh, the top five wide receiver for the next several years.
2: I would certainly take the the Juju side in that deal. And part of this is just... There is an intangible, people who own Juju love Juju. And, and so I think you need to pay more than his value to acquire him for, from most owners. And I would say a, a firstborn might be, might be needed to be thrown in the deal given <laughs> how much people love him and given the, the, the ceiling that people really see for him.
0: I think that's a really good point, and, and it probably goes the other way as well on some players. But there there are a few players that we just like having on our team, whether, you know, in Juju's case, I think it's because he's, you know, he's young and he's charismatic and he does social media stuff. He's just out there, you know, it kind of in our face in, in a good way. Um, and you want to have that guy on your team. You want to root for him. Sometimes it's because players are just... Just exciting in their uh, in their actual playing style, and I think I think what you said is exactly right. Sometimes you have to overpay to get those guys, and depending on how you build your teams, uh, those those can sometimes end up being players that you avoid because you're not willing to pay that premium. And I understand that as well.
1: Do you know who you don't have to overpay for? Our friends at Harry's. Join the ten million, including ourselves that have tried Harry's claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash dynasty Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price like I just said just two bucks of blades you're not overspending like you do for Juju keep prices low they cut out the middleman they own a world class blade factory in Germany and it's been making blades for over 99 years now They can provide great quality at factory direct prices. They have a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. I've never had that problem. I use my blades like crazy and love them. Uh, This summer, refresh your wallet and face with Harry's Trial Set. It comes with a weighted, wonderful handle for an easy grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great. My wife loves it. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. So listeners to our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash dynasty. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash dynasty to redeem your offer and let them know we sent you to help support our show. Next question
0: from Kakimbus. He says, who is the best zero RB option to target around uh, the ADP of 120? He gives us some choices. Justice Hill, the... Ravens rookie, Austin Eckler, or Naheem Hines? So Hill, Austin Eckler, Hines, Tom, which of those three would you be drafting or targeting uh, as that zero RB option? I
2: expect I'd probably have to go Hill, just because I think his upside can be stepping into a larger role in that offense. Uh, If Ingram were to be injured or if just they decide to make a transition, Hill could conceivably take over as a primary back in, the, in that offense. It's going to be a high running back or a high rushing uh, potent attack. Eckler, we saw him try to take over last year when Gordon missed that game, I think last minute in London, and he just wasn't really able to fill that role. They ended up switching more to Justin Jackson at down the stretch when Gordon missed time. So Eckler really is He's valuable, but he is going to be limited in that role of a pass-catching back, which I think Hill will have anyway. And I think Hines, similarly. I think they're going to want to use Mac as the first and second down guy, and Hines is going to be a third down pass-catching change of pace and, and kind of breaking out into the, into the slot. So I really like those players. I think they have a lot of value in PPR leagues, but I'm going to take Hill because I think they have what they have and then plus some additional upsize.
1: I totally agree, although I do submit that part of it's because Hill's the shiny new thing that we don't know what he's going to be, so he's going to be great. And But I also think that Hines and Eckler have zero chance, basically, to be the number one on their team for the rest of their career, where Hill might be, you know, so, and he's the best athlete of the group, in my opinion, and maybe he is the every down back playing with Lamar. That would be really appealing.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with both the, both of you guys. I do think it's it's a little bit of a case of um, of him being a rookie, but but that kind of plays into the scenario. Like Tom said, we saw uh, we saw Eckler get his chance, and that was a disaster. Um, Hines is honestly just never going to get a chance to be an every down back. He's drawn plenty of comparisons to Tariq Cohen and. Uh, neither of those guys are, are just going to get to carry the ball much uh, by design. So it's certainly Hill, and I, I don't think it's even all that close at this point. Uh, next question from uh, from Paul. Paul says, what are your thoughts on the prospective 2020 draft class compared to the past couple of rookie classes? Uh, we have talked about that, hinted about the 2020 class a little bit. Uh, we've got a couple of guests coming up that – uh, in, in in upcoming shows that'll we'll really dig into uh, to that class that's getting a ton of hype. Uh, but uh, I mean in the, the very short version is is that draft class is going to be maybe more hyped and, and more I guess bringing higher expectations mm-hmm. than than any class that that we've seen. And uh, part of that is because we're always looking to, Uh, the next draft class, the bigger and the better, but also you just look at at some of the the receivers that went back to school. You look at the running backs who broke out as true freshmen, and we've been watching them for two plus years now. And and then the quarterback class also looks uh, potentially elite with, with two or three guys uh, that could end up being top five or 10 picks. And all that results into uh, into dynasty goodness uh, tom have you done much work on the 2020 class at all i haven't dived
2: in too much you know but i i think i've kind of heard and been following a lot of the things that you're mentioning and that this class looks stacked it looks amazing you know i think the one thing that i i would caution is you know i mean trying to get a twenty twenty first at this point is a fool's errand it's not it's it's so difficult to do at this point um was, whereas You know, I guess I would just caution that a lot happens over the course of a year. Players get injured. Players don't exceed expectations, don't meet expectations. Players decide to stay in college for an additional year. So, I mean, I think some of that shine may come off the class. I think it's still probably going to be an incredibly stacked class. But just be mindful to not be overpaying for picks, expecting you're going to be getting something great no matter what.
1: Yeah, I I haven't done a ton of homework, and Ryan, you know this class better than me, but what I've seen from people I trust that are digging into it, not necessarily even fantasy, I mean, just for NFL draft reasons, this running back and quarterback class looks both top heavy and deep, and so I think the, the depth, especially the receivers from what I've noticed, really insulates you a lot, too, because... Two of them are going to get hurt, and one's going to stay in school. You know, like you were saying, Tom. But and one of them will emerge that we don't know yet. But I, I'm all in. I mean, I I was not fond of this class, and I did everything I could to move, you know, stuff from this year for next year.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice. the The fever has already uh, has already engulfed a lot a lot of dynasty players and that they're seeking out those twenty twenty first and they are definitely expensive. I guess my pivot or my advice on that would be, uh, target twenty twenty seconds and thirds, because, mm-hmm. uh, I do really like the depth of this class as we've already talked about. And, you know, just the, the stigma of the second or third rounder versus the first rounder uh, is we see that as a huge difference at this time of year when, you know, you click that box on MFL and they all look the same, but, um, in reality, we we know we can target um, some some teams that might end up with potentially high second round picks or or high third round picks. and that that's a way to kind of gain some value uh, possibly in this situation. All right, guys, a couple more questions. Um, let's see. Dominic says, who are the best bets uh, at quarterback or maybe even running back to lose their job? in season to rookies and see their stock plummet before next season. Uh, So I think at the quarterback position, we've already thrown out a couple of those names that uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised if, if they were ultimately benched, Uh, Joe Flacco, Eli Manning, of course, both of those teams drafted rookie quarterbacks. Uh, Any other quarterbacks come to mind that could lose their job to, to a rookie or, any other young quarterback, Matt, you think of
1: any? Mariota with Tannehill there? I mean, we talked about him a lot. I don't know that that's crazy talk. I mean, I think Mariota's a much better player than Tannehill, but they gave him money, and maybe they're sick of him. Uh, uh, and the other one I thought of was, if the Bengals are 2-8, and eight, they probably aren't going to bring Dalton back next year anyway, so maybe just give it to Finley and say, maybe we'll hit lightning in a bottle there. Yeah,
0: it does feel like, and and we've kind of touched on that in past episodes as well. It does feel like this is probably the last year for Dalton in Cincinnati between his subpar play and the uh, and that twenty twenty rookie class that could uh, could afford the Bengals a chance to to add a new starter. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the Finley reports have not been good. I know all we've had really is minicamp, and and we'll see. Uh, later this month, what he looks like, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. The, the Mariota Tannehill thing is, is weird. I, 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 really don't get that, that move for them because I mean, Tannehill has been as, as bad as Mariota
1: has been. I think that's just injury insurance, honestly, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, what about running backs? Any, any running backs that could steal jobs from the starters? Of course, I've already, uh, Uh, professed my admiration for Damian Harris and my concern about Sony Michelle where that one, that one's out there already. So uh, I, uh, at this point I expect Harris to win that job. Um, Tom, any others, any, any young running backs that could steal jobs? Um, Gosh, young running backs. I mean,
2: so it's kind of the names that keep getting thrown out that you kind of see. We just talked about him, Justice Hill potentially. But I think Ingram will probably continue to maintain a role there, given that he's got a couple of years in his contract, and they brought him in for that specific role. Um, another name that I'm hearing a lot, and his co-member of the backfield is losing value, is is Royce Freeman kind of taking over as the top dog over Lindsey uh, with the new coaching staff. You know, I I actually wrote an article about that backfield, and and I think with the with the new uh, offensive coordinator coming from a Shanahan system, I think actually both can have uh, pretty good value and be and be starters each week. Um, I think one that kind of comes out that I could see, just I don't actually believe this will happen, but it wouldn't shock me, would be Fournette if he hmm. does one more kind of uh, knucklehead thing if he just it just doesn't seem to fit with that coaching staff. I could see them just choosing to, to move on and, and give some other people a shot or trade him away super cheap uh, just because they don't want to deal with it anymore.
0: Matt, I think an interesting situation to follow through training camp and the preseason is going to be the Steelers' backfield. And We've, we've already heard James Conner say we're going to use more of a committee. They draft Benny Snell. Uh, My guy from Kentucky, they've got Jalen Samuels uh, from last year who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Uh, What's going on there?
1: I think Connor's clearly the number one guy. I mentioned it's a big offense, and in a way, I think it's somewhat of a 90s offense where they really do want a downhill banger. So I think Snell is the immediate handcuff to Connor, and I very much expect him to be a preseason darling. Like If you're playing preseason fantasy, I want Benny Snell on my team. I think he'll be a crowd favorite around here. Many disagree with me, but I look at Jalen Samuels and think he's not a good running back. Like, I don't want to hand him the ball and run the ball with him. I think he's a specialty player. I think he's Naheem Hines in a bigger body, but not as dynamic. You know what I mean? Like, there's not really a great comparison I have for him in the league, but he's a bigger receiving back that's not super dynamic that I think could be on the field with Connor or with Snell. The thing that worries. I've always thought Connor was a little overrated, to be honest with you. And that's not popular around here. He went to pit. He overcame cancer. You can't ever say anything bad about the guy. But he fumbles a lot. And turnovers were a huge problem for this team. If he ends up in the doghouse, I think turnovers will be what does him in.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Connor made the comments that essentially we're going to have a committee backfield and then... Just a couple of weeks later, he said he expects to have his same role that, that he
1: played in 2018. Real quick, I have one more note on that, just with the Steeler insight. is A lot of people think Tomlin just rides his running backs into the ground. He does when they're Lev Bell, but when he had Isaac Redman and Jonathan Dwyer and people like that, he split carries. So I don't know that he's like set in his ways that we only have to have one running back. When it's one of the best running backs in the league, yeah, I mean, they doesn't ever, ever take him out of the game. But I don't think Connor's at that level quite. Yeah, I think part of that comes from
0: uh, when Bell was out, we saw D'Angelo, D'Angelo Williams yeah. have have such success, and then when Bell was came back, we didn't see D Will at all. So that was, I think, that's probably where that comes from. But mm-hmm. but you make a good point about the the pre-Bell era. Uh, Tom, what are you doing with those Pittsburgh running backs? Are you, are you buying Connor, selling Connor? What do you think?
2: I think Connor's probably a hold for me right now. I think, given his value, it's going to be pretty hard to acquire him because you're paying a price for somebody who's going to living up to the expectations of what he was doing last season and what his upside could be this year. But I agree that you know that there, that there is risk there. Um, I think I'm more on the end of buying and believing that Connor can play that role for that offense. You know, I I don't I agree completely with Matt. You know, I'm not a huge Samuels believer that he's going to be carrying and cutting into workload of, uh, of carries. There's also the factor that that team passed a lot last year, and that is definitely going to regress. And they are going to be more balanced in the amount of rushing attempts that they're going to be seeing and that's just going to lead to be if there are more opportunities for Samuels if there are more opportunities for Snell it may not be that much of a difference in workload for Connor from what we were seeing last year and you know i know i know Snell is a is a hot topic here i'm not a huge Snell fan i'm not worried about him overtaking Connor from pure kind of talent i think an injury or something would need to happen and i'm not suggesting you guys are saying that snell would do that but um i i but i yeah so i i think he's pretty safe right now
1: last note that on that is i mean i know he seems super young but he's not a first round pick, so there's not a 50-year option you may only get two more years of connor in pittsburgh they may run him into the ground and just send him on his way too like it, things change pretty quick at that position
2: yeah, when I'm buying running backs, it's hard to think beyond two years, though.
1: I mean, just kind of need
2: to expect. If you're going to pay that price, you need to know that that cliff or that that decline is going to be happening sooner than you would like to ever think it's going to happen.
1: Ryan, back to the original question, though. I'm not I'm not super sold on Damian Williams being a 16-game starter. Someone might overtake him, too. I'm just not sure if it's a young guy. It might be an older guy. Right. Might be Hyde, right.
0: Yeah. It could be a 2020 rookie is, is really the the long-term starter there. All right, guys, let's finish up with another player that the fantasy community is, has been talking quite a bit about. A uh, question from Colin, what would you pay to acquire Mark Andrews? Uh, so Andrews, the second year Ravens tight end, he was, he was really the favorite target for Lamar Jackson. Uh, during his time as starter in the back half of the season, and I think people are essentially equating that success, stretching it over a full season. Uh, Andrews, uh, of course, a young tight end, and and his price is quickly rising in Dynasty. I, I think the the quick answer is a twenty twenty second, but I don't think that gets it done. I don't think I don't think you're going to be able to buy for a twenty twenty second. I'm certainly not spending a 2021st. 20, 20 so it comes down to uh, multiple seconds or, or maybe a player and a second. I'm just not sure. Now's the best time to, to go out and buy Mark Andrews during this hype. Tom, what do you think about Andrews?
2: Uh, I like him a lot, but I agree completely. I mean, my thought was uh, he's too expensive for a second and not worth enough for a first. Uh, and so it just, right. he puts him in that weird gray area and, uh, I think players who have him or owners who have him are salvating over that opportunity and what he could be, you know? So I think I would probably hold on really offering much and see how that season unfolds. I mean, that passing attack could potentially be a disaster uh, and they brought in a lot of new weapons. It's possible his target share, his role is diminished Hayden Hurst. May end up being healthy by by camp and by and get increasing a role, and so I mean, does that mean you'd want to buy him if that starts happening? Maybe not, but at least his price would be deflated enough, and some of the um, kind of the wind out off the, out of those sales.
1: I love him. I'm I'm real proud of myself with Mark Andrews because I owned <laughs> when the season ended. I owned him in zero of my seven leagues. Now I own him in I think five. And they and basically got him as throw-ins on draft day deals during the rookie draft. And I went out of my way to to talk to those owners about other people on their roster. And hey, throw in Andrews and we got a deal type of deal. And now the hype's starting to really roll. I actually put on Twitter, I think a month or so ago, that I'm I think Andrews is going to lead the Ravens in receptions this year. I really think that he's in an excellent situation, a very tight end friendly. Passing attack, and I have a little more faith. I went back and watched Lamar Jackson over the last couple of weeks, and he was better than I thought. I have more faith in Jackson than I did to finish last year up. I think he's a improving, a possibly improving passer, but maybe I'm you know overly optimistic there. I'm not saying he's going to be Dan Fouts and they're going to light it up like the '80 Chargers, but I think Andrews is in store to be a tight end one.
0: Very nice. So now, given. Given this recent hype and the the heightened expectations, would you still be buying? And what would you what would you pay for? Yeah, you're right.
1: Though I mean, I just raved about how I want to every 2021st, and I like those more than Andrews. But I would give up the second. But I wouldn't trade you Andrews for the second. So that's a tough one. Considering I mean, rookie drafts are gone now. I mean, if your rookie draft's still out there, I'd give you two five for Andrews.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, in in most leagues the twenty twenty second is not going to get it done. So you're you're looking at another, you know, maybe maybe another tight end and a second. Mm-hmm. Um, would you rather have Austin Hooper
1: or Andrews? Hmm, I'm a Hooper fan too. He's safer, but I'll take Andrews. I think I'd probably take Hooper,
2: but the upside of Andrews is tantalizing.
0: Yeah, uh, I just. Uh, looking at our June uh, Dynasty ADP, which is on the side at DLF, Andrews was tight in 18 and looking at some of the guys ahead of him, uh, Vance McDonald, Jared Cook, Trey Burton, kind of being viewed as, uh, I think, mostly short-term options. Uh, Irv Smith, Chris Herndon, Dallas Goddard, Austin Hooper. Uh, I think he could make a big jump uh, in value and, and maybe even reach that uh, top 12, that tight end one range.
1: Yeah, I mean, what if you trade him for Ebron or Cook or somebody like that to, a, you know, you're a rebuilder, you get Andrews and you trade the older guy. You know, like Ebron, to me, I'd love to dump right now if I had him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. And the good thing is, if you have Ebron, if you have Cook, if you have Vance McDonald, who is older than most people think, He's uh, he is 29 already. You, you can move off those guys because there's Andrews and there's a dozen other young high upside tight ends that you could target uh, and try to get that young guy and see what happens. All right. Thank you all so much for the questions. A lot of great ones today. Thank you, Tom, for joining us, Tom, tell our listeners where they can find your work and find you.
2: Thanks again for having me. So as I mentioned, we're, I'm at dynasty league football, writing articles there. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, FF underscore Tom B.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Tom. We'll be back next week with more Dynasty Blueprint.